Welcome to Truth Time, where you'll get a shot of the truth with no chaser. And now your Truth Time host, Trey Searcy. Okay, welcome back once again to Truth Time Radio. Last time we we spoke to you about the so-called Lord's Prayer. Protestants call it the Lord's Prayer. Catholics call it the Our Father Prayer. Both got it wrong and we proved it. This is Truth Time Radio. Our answers are based solely on collective factual data. It's evidence-based. We are not interested in opinions. We are interested in the facts. Bible evidence. We're moving verse by verse here in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. And last broadcast, we stopped at verse 12. Verse 12 is where we find, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. A verse that, well, all by itself, without any help from even one other verse, proves that this was not the, quote, Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts? The Lord praying that? No, the Lord would have never prayed for forgiveness because he didn't need it. So it definitely was not the Lord's Prayer. And if you have any questions about the so-called Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6, go to truthtimeradio.com. There you'll find the on-demand archives, and you can listen to the program. It's titled, The Lord's Prayer, A Double Feature Presentation. Recently, we were driving along a, a nice Saturday morning drive with my daughter, Sarah. She has her learner's permit and has reached the point of uh, driving good enough that I can actually relax and enjoy the ride. <laughs> you know, there's that first phase of teaching your child to drive that can be somewhat tedious, and later on comes the time when you actually start to feel comfortable. So comfortable that you, you sometimes forget it's your 16-year-old driving. Well, this was one of those mornings. So we're driving along, listening to Moody Radio. The caller called in and asked, What about Matthew 6.14? The verse says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And the next verse, verse 15, says, But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So the caller simply wanted to know what it meant and how does this form of forgiveness pertain to us today. But instead of tackling the question head-on, the host hem-hauled around and, and proceeded to skip to another verse, the one that talks about how many times we're supposed to forgive one another. No, the caller was not asking how many times should we forgive one another. The caller simply wanted to know why does the verse say that the only way someone can be forgiven is by first forgiving others? The caller was trying to figure out why there was this way of getting your sins forgiven, but you can also read in the Bible that Christ died on the cross to forgive you of your sins. So which is it? Well, after his way-too-long diatribe, the caller, not satisfied with the answer, and I don't blame him, neither were we. By this time, my daughter had laughed a little at how the host was avoiding the direct question. So the caller asked again, but what about Matthew 6.14, and is this how we get our sins forgiven today? What the host basically did is, is tell the caller that 
Matthew 6.14 doesn't really mean what it says. This is what's called spiritualizing. This is what the so-called Bible teachers in this day and time, this is where they, they go when they're not really sure how to deal with a question. When they can't face it head on, they, they tiptoe around it by spiritualizing, which is basically saying that it doesn't mean what it says. Some people, not this caller, but, but some people actually accept these kind of answers. Imagine that. Let's say, let's say someone told you that, uh, uh, two plus two is not four, but is actually five. You wouldn't accept that. But for some reason, people will ask a Bible question. The twistianity preacher will give some off the wall, loopity loop answer, and some will actually walk away satisfied. Our modern-day preachers, what they do is they, they, they circle the roundabout and speak in the language of Christianese. They do that instead of speaking frankly and candidly and just coming with straightforward truth, getting straight to the point. In a moment, we'll address Matthew 6.14, and we'll do so head-on and frankly speaking, not having to dance around anything. Listen, the book of Matthew was not written to the church, the body of Christ. The book of Matthew is a Jewish book and was written to and about the nation Israel. In the book of Matthew, we see how God continued to, with progressive revelation, to attempt to move Israel from the law and prophets into their kingdom program. And prior to receiving their kingdom on earth, they'll need to survive the tribulation. That's what you're reading when you come to the book of Matthew. You're reading doctrine to and about the nation Israel, enduring some very troubling times, and, and making it through their tribulation period. They're enduring unto the end to be saved. Okay, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6, and unlike the moody radio host, let's see if we can answer it directly and make sense out of what's being said here. The best way to find our answer is to, to first of all, believe what we're reading. The good moody doctor doesn't really believe what he's reading and is why he makes excuses for the verses. Many of today's seminaries teach their students how to do just that. Okay, here we are, verse 14, Matthew 6, verse 14. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15, but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now you see, on this side of the completed cross work, in 1 Corinthians 15, we see how that Christ died and forgave us our sins. Now, if he forgave us our sins, then forgiveness is no longer needed. Hello? Right? Our forgiveness is no longer dependent on us first forgiving others. As saved believers, should, should we forgive others? Certainly. Absolutely. We forgive because we're already forgiven and not to try and earn forgiveness. Matthew 6.14 is a verse that was based on a covenant relationship. That's why it says, If ye forgive. If ye forgive, your Father will forgive you. So you earned your forgiveness by forgiving others. Not so for today. We're on this side of the cross. We're given very different instructions through the Apostle Paul. In Colossians 2, 
verse 13, we find out that we're forgiven all trespasses. It's past tense. It's a done deal. And it's in lieu of what Christ did on our behalf back on Calvary's cross. Something that had yet occurred here in Matthew chapter 6 verse 14. Here Jesus is speaking. And he's doing so before he died. Before the cross. And before his resurrection. And is why the doctrine of forgiveness is very different. Being forgiven before the cross is very different than being forgiven now. On this side of the cross and through the revelatory information we read in the letters given to our apostle, the apostle Paul. Our forgiveness is no longer dependent on us first forgiving others. To earn forgiveness by our first forgiving others, that would be forgiveness by works. Something that applied to Israel as a nation, but not to us, the church, which is his body. No need to dance around the verse. It means what it says. If they forgave, they got forgiveness. If they did not, they didn't. This is simple. Not hard. Simple. Matthew 6.14, speaking of a time before the cross, it very plainly told them, told Israel, how to get their sins forgiven. How? By first forgiving others. Israel operated from covenant ground. A covenant is an if agreement. A time past, not present day, but time past system that was conditional on an if. If they forgave men their trespasses, God would forgive them. On this side of Calvary's cross, listen, we are not under any such covenant. When I hear people say that we're under a covenant and also talk about us being under grace, I know I'm listening to someone who does not know the biblical definition of either. A covenant is always associated with the word if. It's conditional. Grace is not. A covenant is merited by something you do. Grace is unmerited. Grace is free. Ephesians 2.8, grace is not of yourselves. We have these schools today teaching people that we operate from a covenant position with God. We own some property, some rental property in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia, and right down the street there was a place called Covenant Theological Seminary. There they teach this covenant nonsense as if it's for us today. They haven't got a clue. And if anyone from there would like to call in to our broadcast, we, we will be more than happy to allow you some airtime, free airtime, to go up on the air here at Truth Time Radio and, and make your case. Present your covenant theology to our audience, and I'll in turn make the case for a non-covenant relationship with God. And we'll let the audience, free-thinking individuals, we'll let them decide for themselves. And not only is the airtime free, the call is also. Toll free, 1-888-988-9562. That's one 988 Grace and covenant are not spelled the same, and they don't mean the same thing. A thorough Bible student knows for sure and certain we do not operate from covenant ground. We operate from grace ground. Covenant ground, grace ground, they're not the same. And it's why Jesus instructed Paul to tell us that, listen, please don't miss it, we don't forgive to be forgiven, we forgive because we are forgiven. That's as different as night and day. Don't miss the obvious difference. 
there is two presentations in your Bible, a double feature. Israel, indeed, had to forgive to be forgiven. We, who are actively involved in this double feature, the one that takes place after the cross, has different instructions, and those instructions are found in the 13 letters of the Apostle Paul, Romans through the book of Philemon. Hi, my name is Janice. My husband George and I have been listening to True Time Radio for quite a while now, and we really appreciate the program you're putting on the radio and on the, the Internet. Um, True Time Radio is awesome. Thank you for it. And we would like to come and visit, so please give us a call. Thank you. This is Judy Townsend, White Springs, Florida. One of our friends saw, saw you on YouTube and told us about you. So we've been listening, and we really enjoy it. We've tried to tell as many people. I've even put it on my Facebook. All your programs are so great. I'm on your website all the time. And I tell you, in the ministry that you have, it's wonderful. People can listen to it at their leisure. If they want to listen to five different programs, you know, one after the other, they can. You know, when you, when you go somewhere to get taught, you know, it's once a week maybe. But this way, you can listen. You, you know, we listen to one just about every day, you know, if not two sometimes. We were attending a, a Baptist church, um, and after a while, we just couldn't take it. This is Truth Time Radio. We named it that for a reason. So let's prove our position with Scripture, not opinion. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Please get your Bible and let's look into this. It says here, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiven one another. Now listen, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Hath forgiven you. It's already done. Hath forgiven you is not if you forgive, then God can forgive you. No, it's God has already forgiven you for Christ's sake, and he did that as a result of the finished cross work of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word hath is past tense, present possession. God hath forgiven us. And Colossians 3.13 reaffirms this outstanding finished cross work truth. It demonstrates God's change in humanity's forgiveness program. It says here, If any man have a quarrel against any... Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Did you catch that? Even as Christ forgave you. Not he will forgive you if you do something, if you forgive others, but he has already forgave. Past tense. Oh, the truth is so liberating. Today, we are to forgive, absolutely, but we are to forgive as Christ forgave us. We don't forgive to be forgiven. Again, this simply means that our forgiveness is past tense present possession and not something we strive to obtain. Our forgiveness is not something we can get, but rather something we already have. Listen, you cannot be forgiven. It's a done deal. You're not waiting to be forgiven you already are. You've been pardoned. You're not waiting to be pardoned. You already are. The reason we provide a toll-free number and talk to so many listeners on a weekly basis, 
the reason we take this mic and come on radio, the reason we produce YouTube videos, is we fully understand how that grace rightly applied changes everything. And it's our desire to share this with you. Right believing helps to connect the dots. When we learn to operate from the place of present possession instead of the place of always trying to obtain, when we operate from the place of already there instead of the place of still haven't arrived, still trying to make it, when we operate from the right platform, the performance has a greater effect. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The, quote, old things of how to be forgiven in Matthew 6 have passed away. Now, on this side of the cross, Jesus revealed to Paul that we forgive for an entirely different reason. We don't forgive to get it. We forgive because we got it. Someone once said, Only the hand willing to erase can write the true thing. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Today we're discussing Matthew 6.14, which says the only way to be forgiven is to first forgive others. But you see, we don't stop there. We don't stop at Matthew 6.14. We move on. Why? Because the Bible is progressive in its revelation to mankind. So we flip the pages and move on over to the other side of the cross, where we read Ephesians 4.32, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You can't miss it. Either way you look at it, you can't help but see these are two different presentations about one subject. The subject is forgiven others. And Matthew chapter 6 does not say the same thing about it as the books of Ephesians and Colossians, those books given to Paul on the other side of the cross. Ephesians and Colossians pertain to how we operate over here via Paul's grace letters to us, the church, the body, and the reason we forgive, hey, it's different. Plain and simple. This is called rightly dividing the word of truth. And if you're not being taught how to do this, welcome. Welcome to Truth Time Radio. This will change your life. Over here on this side of the cross, our forgiveness is a done deal. Not so for those we're reading about here in Matthew chapter 6 before the cross. The presentation we've been given is different than what was previously given to the nation Israel. This should be clear to anyone who is willing to simply accept that the verses mean what they say to whom they speak. The Bible wasn't written to be viewed as a still photograph. You should read the Bible as you would view a motion picture. It's moving. Things are happening. The message is going somewhere. If you and your wife were watching a movie, let's say about an hour and a half long, but uh, you had to get up and leave, you had to go to work about halfway through the show... Well, who's better equipped to answer questions about the movie, you or your wife? See, this is the problem we're faced with today. Most of Twistianity is stuck back there in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or they're dancing around Acts 2, but only a few are willing to go on and dive into the grace letters of the Apostle Paul. The result, 
they're lacking in their understanding, just as the man who had to get up and leave in the middle of the movie. Listen, for me, it has been a wonderful thing to, to, to now be able to come to these verses and not have to make up stories, but rather just allow them to stand there on their own. We've been taught to make excuses for God, which is what apologists do. The pulpit magicians, they, they make up stories that, that supposedly explain that what we're reading doesn't really mean what it says. It means what the seminary said. It means what the denomination said. It means what the TV preacher with a large following said. Again, Matthew 6.15, If ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. But Ephesians 4.32 and Colossians 2.13, In light of the finished cross work, says we've already been forgiven all trespasses. And we can do nothing on our own that would add or take away from that. And 2 Corinthians 5.19 says that God is no longer even imputing trespasses. Now, if he's not imputing trespasses, what trespasses need forgiven? Mull that over for a bit. How is it that you can have a Bible that says, If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And in that same Bible, it says God's not even imputing trespasses. What changed between Matthew 6 and 2 Corinthians 5? The death, the burial, the resurrection, and the revelation of the mystery that Christ gave to Paul. And if you haven't learned that, you're probably confused. How is it that God is no longer imputing trespasses? Because he, 2 Corinthians 5.21, imputed them on to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've got it in your head that you've got to forgive others before God can forgive you, you've missed the gospel of your salvation. You do not believe what Christ did for you on the cross, meaning you have yet to trust him for your salvation. It's great to forgive others. It's something we should do, but it's not great to replace what he did with what you do. Forgiveness of sins is no longer a product of you forgiving anyone. Do you really want to go backwards, back before the cross, and depend on yourself to get your sins forgiven on the basis of, of how well you forgive others? Or would it be better to come over here on this side of the cross and depend on Christ and his payment for your sins? Well, many are growing tired of those who make God's Word out to be a fake mess. No, God's Word is true all by itself without man and his vanity trying to make it say something it doesn't. And we're hearing from these people daily, those who are finding us, but more importantly, finding this grace message and deciding to just believe the Bible means what it says. Deciding to believe it as it says it, where it says it, and to whom it says it to. It's called rightly dividing the word of truth. In this modern-day world of twistianity, after hearing a sermon, you'd be wise to ask your level-headed voice, does that make sense? Here on Truth Time Radio, we present the division between prophecy and mystery. God's purpose for the earth with the nation Israel and His purpose for heaven with the church, the body of Christ. Two agencies. Two identities. Two sets of day-to-day operating instructions and two destinations. Understanding that the Bible presents a double feature, grace and law, prophecy and mystery, makes all the difference in your understanding. Rightly dividing is the key God provided to unlock His Word. Problem is, not enough use it. The information was revealed differently. One line of information was given through prophecy, the other through mystery. 
and how the two operate are different, one by law, one by grace. One was physical and formed for earth, the other is spiritual and being formed for heaven. The destinations are different. That's why in Christ, in the spiritual body that is being formed today, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Not so in time past. When you come to the Bible, if you're reading of a time where there was a distinction between Jew and Gentile, you're reading information that contains time past instructions. If you're reading a time where there is no such distinction being made, you're reading about what's going on today. Religion will have you jumping through hoops to be saved. Don't fall for it. There's not ten ways to salvation, six ways to salvation, not three, not two. There are no hoops to jump through. You won't find salvation at the end of an obstacle course. These steps to salvation you hear about were created by men. No walking down an aisle. No kneeling at an altar. No jumping into a tub of water. No cleaning up your life or crying a scalding hot bucket of tears. No inviting Jesus into your heart or giving your heart to Him. No confirmation, mass, penance. No sacraments will save you. And your rosary beads and Hail Marys, hey, they won't change a thing. Saying a prayer or asking God to forgive you won't save you either. Salvation is not a process, and all these steps required by men are lies. These are not ways to salvation. There's not ways to salvation. There is one way. It's through Jesus Christ and Him alone. Believing the gospel by trusting what He did on your behalf, that alone will save you. If your salvation depends on things done by you, you have no hope. You can't save yourself, and you're not a co-savior. You can't help Christ save you. You have nothing to add to the finished cross work. It's complete. It's done. You want salvation? Believe the gospel. Jesus Christ, on your behalf, died for all your sins. Every sin you have committed and every sin you have yet to commit. The wages of sin was death, and he took your death. He was buried. He was resurrected, delivered for your offenses, and raised for your justification. Believe on Him solely for your salvation, on Him alone, on what He did, and on nothing you did or can do. Regardless of what your denomination tells you, Ephesians 1.13 says salvation comes by you hearing the gospel, then believing the gospel. There's no list of things to do there. Well, you've just heard the gospel. The rest is now up to you. And listen, those who teach there's only one gospel in the Bible are lying to you. You do the math. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, a man came to Christ and asked, What good thing shall I do that I might have eternal life? Jesus replied, Keep the commandments. However, later on in the book of Acts, the second feature presentation, by the way, Acts chapter 16, well after the cross, a man asked the Apostle Paul the same question, and he replied, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Same question, different answer. Do the math. One question, two answers. Don't stagger at the truth, rightly divide it. You see, the reason Jesus gave the man something to do was because he had not done what he had came to do. Jesus had yet to die on the cross. He had not been buried, nor was he resurrected. The law was still in effect and had not yet been fulfilled. The reason Jesus said, keep the commandments. But 
after Calvary. Oh, listen, my friends, here's the good news. After Calvary, after Christ died on the cross and had risen, he returned to call out a new apostle, the Apostle Paul, and give him the gospel for us, the church which is his body. So now, to be saved, is it, quote, keep the commandments, or, quote, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? What must I do to be saved? Same question, two different answers. TruthTimeRadio.com or catch us on YouTube and Facebook. And remember, you only get two educations. The one you're given and the one you give yourself. This has been Truth Time with Trey Searcy. Visit our website at truthtimeradio.com. Until next time, remember, when a man who is honestly mistaken hears the truth, he will either quit being mistaken or cease to be honest. Truth.